this sort of opens it up to all of this because if you have five elements of intimacy with you and they are trust, honor, gratitude, vulnerability, and allowance. And if you have those five elements of intimacy with yourself, then you can have that with someone else. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Men. I am happy to welcome to the podcast Simone Millicis, author of Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? and Access Consciousness Facilitator. So today we're talking about control in relationships and uh, how we kind of maybe unconsciously try to control our partners or consciously try to control our partners and um, what we can do about that. So um I would love to hear a little bit first before we get into the topic of how you kind of got into that area of relationship. Was this something that you went through personally or how did you start to notice control in relationships? Oh gosh. I'm going to say, yes, I've been there, done that. I think I'm old enough to, you know, have made some really interesting choices (laughs) over the years and uh, made some really interesting choices and, Um, I'm going to say the main thing that I have noticed over the years of what I've changed is I have become more confident in trusting myself and honoring myself. And I I think like you can go down one road of how this looks and then yet there's always something else that's showing up. Like what if we always, if, if every single person, male, female, had this element of trusting themselves and honoring themselves, then we would create really different relationships. So yeah, I would say I've been there, done that, destroyed relationships, you know, had the same thing done to me because you weren't actually willing to have a look at what was really going on for myself and for the other person. Yeah. I, I'm interested in hearing more about this because, you know, the, I'm curious there are sort of some common themes. And I think the the frame we're going to look at today is sort of heteronormative of, let's say, a, a male-female relationship. And there are some common ways that women unconsciously or consciously try to control their male partner. And I'm wondering if you can take us through a few of those, including ones that you feel like, yep, I used to do this. <laughs> and then and then and sort of walk us through that piece that you mentioned around trusting trusting ourselves. And how that connects to undoing maybe that pattern of control. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So with the trust part, one of the things that I talk about, and we talk about it in my, in my book as well, is the five elements of intimacy. And I think this is, this sort of opens it up to all of this, because if you have five elements of intimacy with you and they are trust, honor, gratitude, vulnerability, and allowance, And if you have those five elements of intimacy with yourself, then you can have that with someone else. And I think a lot of the ways that, you know, we try and control men and men try and control women too. I've had it the other way around. Like it it goes both ways. Um, When we try and control someone else, it's because we're trying to look for one of those five elements of intimacy in somebody else rather than having that with ourselves 
And then having someone that you choose to be in a relationship with that you can create something greater. Because to me, that's what it should be. Like literally relationship means the distance between two things. So when you say I'm in a relationship with someone or this is, you know, my relationship with this, like even with the chair is the distance or what it is to you, what it means to you. So if you change that up and start to look at what if it wasn't relationship, what if it was a creationship? And to me, if you're going to choose to be in a relationship, make it good because it doesn't, you don't have to be in one. Like it's not right or wrong to be in a relationship or be single. So if you're going to choose one, make it great and make it so that you're creating at least 20 times more together than what you would alone. So I would say that is the basis of the trust thing of the five elements of intimacy. Again, trust, vulnerability, gratitude, um, honor and allowance and having that with you. And when you don't have that with you, then this is where I think people start to do that like insane, insane point of view of like trying to control somebody else. Cause in truth, can you ever be controlled? I don't know about you, but I can't be controlled. So, and pretty much no one can be controlled. And you think you're, you have this point of view that if you just control them, you'll get everything you want. Well, in fact, the exact opposite is the truth that if you let go of control, then you'll have more show up in your life and in your relationship than you could ever dream of because it will not show up the way you think it's going to show up. Mm. So, I mean, one of the, yeah, one of the common things is um, that I see women do a lot is, you know, and we were talking about this before is the um, men and women process things differently. Like, and, and some men function more like women and some women function more like men as well. You've got to have a look at that too. Like I've got some male friends of mine who are definitely, you know, big sharers and, and everything, whereas a man will sort of be very direct. And you notice how, you know, if a woman is talking about something, then the man's sort of looking at her like, okay, what do I have to fix here? That's how he does it. And the woman's like, I just want to vent, you know. And, and so when a man processes something, It's like a lot of the times what he will do is he needs his alone time. Like, you know, we have the saying of a man cave. A man cave is a real thing. And it's like men like to, they also like to hibernate during certain times, even during certain seasons. And and then when they go into their man cave, they might play a video game, you know, read a book or, you know, just hang out on their own and process in a different way. And I have done this, and this is what made me realize it too, was thinking, When a man does that, oh, I must have done something wrong. It's my fault. So then I see so often the woman go, what did I do? What's up? What's happening? What's, you know, and trying to like panicking about it. And the man's just like, I just need some space. And for him to say, I just need space, then he's like, oh my God, the woman's going to kill me if I say that. And to me, there's no, there's no element of an intimacy there at all. So what I have learned to do is, you know, with a partner when something like that is occurring and they need that space is just to say, Hey, how are you doing? Do you, can I do anything for you? Is there anything I can contribute? And if they say no, then just go, let me know when I can and then leave it. And with my ex-partner, you know, sometimes it was like three days where we hardly spoke and it wasn't like we weren't talking to each other. It was just giving him space. So I was doing my thing and allowing him to do his thing. Yeah, that does take a lot of trust. It it mm. it it's interesting because I've definitely experienced this in relationship but also just with guy friends that there's this quality of zoning out that I experience with them that it almost like they're a battery that needs to be recharged and part of the way they recharge is you know reading Reddit 
or playing a video game or doing something that I do think a lot of us would judge as less than or frivolous or unnecessary or I don't know, just the judgment words that come up. That's like, oh, that's what are you doing? Like you're not really doing anything or being productive or whatever judgments we have. But I think there's something really important about that space and time that he's just processing in a different way. And that trust that you mentioned, you know, I do think that I know I've done this in relationship of immediately making it about me, like, oh, I must have done something wrong, or he's mad at me. You know, I have, I think a lot of people have a history of passive aggression in their childhood home. So when someone was silent or someone was withdrawing, there was an experience of I'm all alone or love has been taken away from me, which is another word for this is anxious attachment. And so it takes a lot of trust to say, okay, I'm going to trust that this, this is really just him needing space and not him pulling away from me and me not knowing why. And I think that's where the, the unsafety piece comes in for let's say women partners of, can I trust myself to take care of myself while this person is a little bit emotionally unavailable at the moment And can I trust that he would tell me if something were wrong? That takes a lot of trust too between the partners because I do think that there's an element of feeling like, well, maybe he just needs his man cave, but maybe he's secretly mad at me. (laughs) And I'm curious if you can speak a little to that, you know, couples negotiating. No, I'll really tell you if, if, if if there's something wrong, I'll tell you. I just really need space right now. Yeah, no, it, you 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 nailed it for what goes on in in someone's head as well. And the the first thing I want to say is it's not personal, and I know that that's not easy to get. Um, been there, done that. When you're you're looking at it, trying to make it personal, but it's not personal. It's not about you. And if you stop trying to make it about you, then you sort of broaden your awareness, and you can have more um, more information and more more allowance. And again, it comes back to those five elements of intimacy, because if you have that with you again, then you can have that with someone else. So, so if you look at the trust, right, so that you trust, you trust them, you trust you, but it, trust is not blind faith. Okay. It's like, trust is like knowing, okay, so, you know, the guy I'm with likes to have, you know, X amount of time, you know, man cave, you know, space. Like there's one guy I know it's, he's very funny. Every winter he just sort of starts to hibernate. And I always laugh about it because I'm like, oh, winter's coming. And he's like, I know. He's like, he can, he doesn't have nearly as much energy. It's like, you're like a bear. Like, you know, so he starts to hibernate, but, but trusting that that's what he chooses, right? So it's nothing against you. And so trust is not blind faith. It's trusting that the person that you're with, the person that you know, and it's like, you know, whether it's a friend or a relationship, it's like knowing what they require and that that's what they choose, but that's okay. And then you've got, like the allowance of being a total allowance of what someone is choosing. Um, I remember at one stage, my, uh, my ex-partner who I wrote the book with Brendan Watt, he was just having a really hard time with life, you know, and he just needed to process, et cetera. And he had a son. So it was my stepson. And I said to him, it was early on in the relationship too. And I said, look, you, you obviously need space and we're all living in this house together. And it, it wasn't the biggest house at that stage that we lived in. I said, why don't you go away somewhere? Like go away for a few days. I said, I've got this. I've got Nash. It's fine. I'll look after him. Like go away and, and have some space with you. And he tells this story about he actually didn't choose to do that, but he said me suggesting it and allowing it, like, like, I don't want to say allowing because it's not like I'm his parent, but it's like, but being in total allowance of him actually 
going away for a few days and just having space for him and me saying, I'll take care of your son. It's fine. We've got this. He said that gave him the freedom and the space that he was actually looking for. Cause I think somewhere he was like, both of us went through stages of just going, Oh my God, what am I doing? Why are we living together? Like, you know, cramped in. Cause you do, you question your relationship, which I think is really healthy. You should, but then have a look. Okay. So if I'm questioning this, what is it that I require? And for him, you know, he required this space. So, you know, allowing, being allowance of what someone requires just because you don't need space doesn't mean that they don't need space. So you've really yeah. got to acknowledge that. And again, it comes back to, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. What I love about that is the generosity of spirit on your, on your part and the awareness. And that's really, I think why we're doing this episode. Cause I do think that it's really helpful when both partners going into a relationship understand we are different and our needs will be different. And there are, there are a lot of men who do need space and it's not just physical space. It, what I like about that story is you offering that and saying, maybe you need to go away for a few days. I've got this. I'm happy to hold down the fort so that you can have, have some space. It's like the, the knowledge that you were okay with that and that you would not, let's say, be emotionally withholding. It's like the, the, the knowledge, like my partner is genuinely okay with this and not going to pretend to be okay, but then subtly punish me later. Just this person has space for my space is so freeing, I think to the masculine, especially. And that, that, you know, the, the noticing on your part, the awareness of your partner and, and not guessing exactly, but sort of checking in and saying, I'm, it feels like you need some space. (laughs) It feels like it might be nourishing for you to go away for a few days. Let's, you know, I'd love to gift you that if you want to take advantage, uh, feels really generous and it feels very much like your word allowance. Um, yeah, just that acknowledgement of this is a thing you may need. And I would like to honor you in that need instead of, for example, I, I'd love to check in with you about this. My experience is many men, when they need space, if they don't feel like they can ask for it, or if they don't feel empowered to get it from their partner, they'll just get irritable. They'll get irritable and kind of short and yeah, just, just kind of crunchy. Um, and sometimes that's an indication that they need space. And I think an attuned woman can sort of check in around that. And that does take a lot of trust, right? Trust of, Cause again, I think it can be easy to think, oh, it's me. There's something wrong with me or with the relationship when really it's, he just needs space. And if he doesn't know you well enough yet to ask for that, or perhaps isn't self-aware enough to understand that's what he's needing, it can be an incredible act of partnership to offer that to him as a, hey, maybe maybe space. <laughs> what do you think about space? Yeah, look, I, I totally agree. And it, it's, um, it's, it's so interesting, Melanie, because to me, we've got it a little twisted and backwards. We think that if we can control someone, we'll have everything we want, but it's the exact opposite. If you're actually willing to let go of control, then you'll have more than you've ever been willing to ask for, like truly. And I'll give you a tool to use, and most people hate this tool, but it's like practice this random acts of making everything about them. Because most people in a relationship, and you know, I'm going to say especially women, and I and I am generalizing here, okay? Because with that space thing too, a lot of women really like space. Like I love having my space. If I've got someone, 
someone following me around or being with me all the time, I'm like, hey, uh, I just need some like time on my own. Like I work really well playing with someone, but I do require my space too. So you may have these qualities. Like we're not just going women or all women are like this or all men are like this. Like I said, right at the beginning, some men function more like women and some women function more like men. But if you look at this and then the the generalization of it, but looking at the different aspects, then you can have more freedom for you. And that is my desire. That is why we wrote the book relationship. Are you sure you want one as a question? so that you can actually really start to question yourself of what it is that you desire. Because people also go relationship, single. And it's like, well, no, there's more than just two choices. Like it's not this, you know, on off, like these, you know, zeros and ones, binary coding. It's like, there's more than just relationship and single. It's like, there's, there's different choices available. So when you actually, you know, allow yourself to, to use that tool of making it all about them. And I, a, a little quick story. There was one day, um, I live across the road from the beach and I was cranky at my partner. I don't even remember what for, it would have been something so inane. And so I, but I was smart enough to take myself out of the house and went across to the beach and was walking on the beach. And this friend of mine, Gary Douglas, who is the founder of Access Consciousness, who I facilitate the classes with, and he, he rang me and he said, what's going on? And I went, well, blah, 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 you know, and was complaining. And he said, you know what you need to do? He said, you need to go home and you need to make everything about him. Now that is the last thing that I wanted to do. I wanted everything to be about me. I mean, does that sound familiar to your listeners? You know, but I thought, okay, what I'm doing is not working. And that's, I think a really key thing you need to look at is what you're currently doing working. And if it's not, what if you could try something different? So I walked in the house and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try this out. You know, I walked in the house and I immediately, I walked over to, to my partner and I made everything about him, asked him how he was doing, what's up for him. You know, just my energy was just like, hi, I'm here for you. What's, what's going on with you? And I'm not kidding, Melanie, within 10 minutes, he was like, Hey, can I make you a drink? What would you like me to cook you for dinner tonight? Why don't you go? And I was like sitting on the couch going, Oh my God. And I was like, this tool really works. So when you start to make like, and just play it, like go use this tool, like with your partner, even with your friends, it's like, go start making everything about them and see how, cause it's an energetic flow that seems to occur. It's like, when you start making it about them, then there's this flow that comes back. And to me, that's what we should be and could be choosing in the world and on the planet today is this flow and not this like sort of personal gain that we try and achieve by control. Um, I don't know where we came up with this, this idea that control was going to give us everything that we want. I mean, that's what governments are trying to do. It doesn't. It's like there's a different way that we can be in the world and we can be in relationships. And like I said, if you just try this out and even offer it to your partner, I don't care if you've been with them a month or 10 years, just go, you know what? I was wondering if you required some space. Like, is there anything that you'd like to do without me that I'd be totally fine? Now you touched on something, Melanie, which I really want to, you, you touched on it in a, in a different way. Subtext. Men don't know what subtext is women. It's like, if you go, if you go and say, Hey, you know what, you know, maybe you need some space, but you're doing it from a, maybe you need some space. If you say, yes, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Please don't do that. It's never going to end up good for you. Okay. Or them or the relationship. It's like, you've got to, and this is again, back to five elements of intimacy. You've got to have that, um, trust in you 
okay? And that level of vulnerability, which vulnerability is one of the five elements of intimacy, that you can go up to someone and just say, hey, wondering if you require some space. Like, is that what you require? I can gift that to you. And being okay with it, you've got to be okay with it. Don't do it as a threat or as a way to, um, you know, build evidence to, uh, you know, punish them or control them. That is not yeah. a great relationship, guys. Yeah, I think that's the that's the thing is the the generosity of spirit around space is you've got to mean it. Otherwise, it's going to be you're like, I'm going to give you space, but then I'm going to resent you for taking space. That's not really giving someone space. I, I also thought it was funny. One of my mentors she and her husband teach together and they were talking about space and the taking of it. And he said, yeah, I would go to the gym and then she would text me at the gym. And it was like, that's not, <laughs> that's not space, babe. Like I, I need sort of like time and energy, energetic time, like time and energetic time away to just be with myself. And what she learned to do was to fill her own bucket when he was taking space. So she would find ways to nourish herself instead of just sort of doing her day and just being productive and doing, doing, doing. She would find ways of making herself feel beautiful or taking care of herself in some way, filling her bucket, meeting up with a friend, having an experience that nourished her soul in a way that that she was nourishing herself. Because when you get nourished by a partner and then they go away, it can feel like death, especially if you have anxious attachment and learning to fill your own bucket is a skill. And it's a skill oftentimes that we diminish in relationship because we get used to this other person filling our bucket, this other person meeting our needs. And we forget that energetically, we need to be able to meet our needs as well. There needs to be that dance um, to your point of allowance of there's a flow, there's a harmony, there's ways that I can get you know, my intimacy needs met from my friends or my joy needs met from entertainment. Like I'm going to take myself to a play tonight. I'm just going to, or I'm going to go to a movie by myself and I'm going to have an awesome time. You know, things that maybe you did before you were in a relationship that you, you know, forgot about, or you, you haven't done in a while. Filling your own bucket is such a crucial skill for both people within a relationship. And to her point, it was especially important that she was able to do that when he was taking space, because she was essentially caretaking her little little girl, the, the young part of herself that was scared and was like, oh my God, he went away. Are we going to die? She was like, no, actually, we're going to go to the beach. <laughs> we're going to go do something fun and nourishing or we're going to read in the hammock. We're going to take care of ourselves to feel filled up in a, in a nourishing way instead of just spending all this time freaking out about the fact that he's taking space. Yeah. And can I add to that too? What I would ask, I mean, I, it was funny that you mentioned the movies because I was talking to someone the other day about going to the movies and I would always take myself off to the movies on my own. And they said to me, really, you went on your own. And they, 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 the way they were looking at it was, how could you go to the movies on your own? Like that sort of like, you know, being a loser. And I went, oh my God, I love going to the movies on my own. I love doing things on my own. So if you, if you are one of those people who sort of struggles with making that choice to do something on your own, what I would suggest is ask, what judgment do I have that is holding this in place? Because judgment is not real. And judgment is something that we use to create a limitation in our lives. So if you look at it and go, okay, so what judgment do I have of this? And you go, oh, then I, you know, it looks like I've got no friends. Well, 
you know you've got friends. And again, that comes back to the five elements of intimacy of having that trust of you and just going, no, I'm going to go get some popcorn and I'm going to go to the movies and I'm going to have a great time and, and actually, you know, choosing, choosing what it is for you. And one of the things I would suggest is one hour a day and one day a week, start to choose something that is that nurturing energy for you. But really explore what that is because most people go to, oh, you know, I'll get a massage, I'll have a bubble bath, I'll do this, you know. But really if you break it down and go, what is nurturing for me? Like in the last 18 months, uh, I usually travel like 10 months of the year and, you know, for obvious reasons I've been home. Uh, in the last 18 months I've really taught myself how to cook and I'm, I'm really proud of myself. I'm getting really good. And for me, what's really nurturing for me is cooking at the moment. That's one thing. And it's like, so, you know, what is it? Like start to explore it just because a friend of yours, you know, does something that is nurturing doesn't mean that that's going to be nurturing for you. For me, I also like to go hiking and I actually really like hiking on my own as well. I like hiking with friends, but I like hiking on my own. There's something about, you know, being out there in the woods and the bush and where I live, it's like, there's a great hike in Noosa. It's just got the ocean just pounding in and the bush and the smells and it's really nurturing for me. So start to explore what that is and really set aside one hour a day and one day a week that is just for you and give yourself that space. Because what I see with relationships too, when you allow yourself to have the space and you allow them to have the space, when you come together, it's even yummier. Like it's really nice. So. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. It's so, it's so sexy because you're, you're generating polarity by doing that. Yeah. And something that I've noticed, I'm reading Pleasure Activism by Adrienne Marie Brown. And she talks a lot about, um, just the little things, just little things like wearing sequins, right? Like pretty sparkly things. You know, a lot of the feminine loves color, different color variety. It doesn't have to be elaborate. You know, one of my favorite things to do is just read in my car. <laughs> I'll just lean the seat all the way back and just read and it feels decadent and I'll just park somewhere beautiful and read. It's not an elaborate thing, but it feels, it feels good. It feels like I'm slowing down. I'll turn my phone off. You know, it just kind of feels decadent or like I'm sneaking away or something. Like it just, it feels fun. And she really emphasizes that of, you know, you feeling good in your body and learning what feels good in your body is a sacred act. And that can, yeah bring, bring a lot of energy to your partnership. Um, so I want to make sure we get through some of these control elements as well, because I think these are really important. Um, so in terms of, you know, common ways that let's say women try to control uh, a relationship or their man, um, we covered one, another one that I know you've mentioned before is sex. Can you say a little bit more about that one and how maybe women try to control their man with sex? Yeah. Look, I'm going to say the most obvious is withholding sex. And and I'm not saying that you have to go have sex, you know, every time they ask, it should be a mutual choice. Um, like one of the things I remember with my ex too, he actually, he, 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 he taught me a lot and I know I taught him a lot too. And that's what a relationship should be. Um, I remember one day I wanted to have sex and, and he didn't want to. And he, we had this chat and he said to me, how often do two people have sex when both people desire it? Like a lot of the times one person will have sex because the other one wants to. And I was like, God, you, you, it's really correct. And it's like when two people are having sex and both of them want to have sex, it's much greater. Like, you know, so, but what I will say is 
it goes both ways. Like I cannot tell you, Melanie, the amount of uh, sessions or the amount of women that I know that I've spoken to who are earning more money than their partner. That's just a way of life right now is that women do earn a lot of money and uh, sometimes they do earn more than their partner. And But it's interesting when you have this conflict of you have that and then you also have these old paradigms of the man should be paying for everything, you know, and looking after you and taking you on dates, etc. So to me, if you're in that situation, it's a keep earning the amount of money you earn, but don't have this energy towards your partner like he's less than because he doesn't earn as much money as you. So one of the things that I noticed in very early on in the relationship that I had was I was earning more money. So what I could do is, and it sounds terrible, it sounds so mean, but hey, we do stuff like this. It's like I would was withholding money when he, and all he had to do was withhold sex. And I remember Gary, the like the our friend of ours, the founder of Access, he looked at us and he went, what are you guys doing? And we were like, what do you mean? He goes, he had a chat to us and both of us realized we were waiting for the like the boot to drop in, the abuse to happen for the other person because we both had not very great relationships prior to the one we had. It's like so we were both waiting for the other person to sort of just go, I'm done. So there was this withhold energy, like not give all of me, and I could do it with money and he could do it with sex. So if you flip that, a lot of the times women will do that is withhold sex in order to control the man. And it's like, but I'm just saying again, it's like it, it diversifies, like the man can also do it to the woman. So what if it wasn't about, you know, withholding sex? What if it was like, it, it's not about punishing them and then you get your reward? Because having sex as a reward is also doesn't make it as fun. Like what if sex was something that you were continuously like playing with and, and it was this absolute joy. And every time you had sex, you're like, wow, how does it get any better than this? What else is possible? Like being in question and not going to the conclusion of what something is. It's like, there's always something greater available, always something greater. So I would say that is one of the key elements that people would do to control their partner is withholding sex. And if you gave that up, then there might be a different possibility available. You know, one of the things I appreciate about that story is the presence of a mentor and someone else that can see your relationship and the dynamics that are playing out. I think it's so important. We say that a child is raised by a village or should be raised by a village. It takes a village. I believe it takes a village for a couple as well. And yet we don't really support couples in that way. But I'm curious to hear from you once he pointed that dynamic out you know, just bringing it to the surface, bringing it to consciousness, did that impact the two of you and how you related and and whether you stopped withholding? How did that unfold from there for you? Yeah, it did. Look, I was, um, it did. And, but I've got to say, I think Brendan and I were very brave and very courageous and really the, the, what both of us really desire in the world is, and for me for a very long time, like, you know, all the businesses that I've had since I was, you know, 15, 16, looking at the world going, this world doesn't make sense. What can I be in the world to offer some sort of contribution to wake people up? So for me, consciousness, like creating a world filled with consciousness is, is pretty important to me. So therefore, when I look at any area of my life, I'm like, okay, this isn't working. I need to change something. So it, it does take a level of courage. And one of the things that I did was, cause I was earning a lot more money at one stage. He was not even working. He hated doing what he was doing. He was a tradesman, a tiler. And, uh, so I said to him, look, why don't you take a break? 
and give yourself some space and figure out what it is you want to do with your life. Um, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm paying the rent. I've got this, like work it out. So he did, but he actually took 18 months of, um, off. I mean, but he was amazing. Like he was like the, the house man. Like he, he's an amazing cook. He was like top 100 in MasterChef or something. So in Australia, so he would cook, he would do all of that. So he was also a contribution and please don't negate this. If someone is earning money and the other person is not earning money, have a look at what they're contributing. Like he would contribute so much at home, which I was so grateful for. And it added to me being able to work and, you know, support us, et cetera. So one of the things I did do, um, I wanted to have, and people are always shocked by this, but oh, well, um, I wanted to have sex one night and he didn't want to have sex. And I said to him, what if I pay you? <laughs> and he was like, really? And I went, yeah. And I said, what if I pay you a thousand dollars? So he, he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. So we, we did and we had sex. And can I tell you, Melanie, the sex was amazing because I was paying him to have sex. And if you have, if, if this tweaks your world, can I say, please give it a try, like offer to pay your partner for sex. It could be 20 bucks. I don't care what it is, but it's like, I also knew that I wanted to give him some money that was his money so that he wasn't always going, you know, oh, we need to pay for this or blah. Or I wasn't always the one getting out my credit card, etc. So anyway, we had sex. It was great because of course I was paying him. So it was, it was so much all about me. And then I literally like made a joke of it, got a thousand dollars, put it on the bedside table and he had this thousand dollars. Now what he did, he went out, he bought us dinner, bought us a nice bottle of wine and he booked himself a massage. And it was so cool for me to see the energy of something change where he had this thousand dollars. I didn't say what you had to spend it on. I didn't say you had to put it towards rent or anything. It was like, this is your money. You get to choose what, what it is. So when we started to do things like that, it broke down the paradigms and the judgments that we'd been creating that were limiting us because you create these barriers between each other. And I mean, what are you in a relationship for? To have barriers or to have this level of vulnerability where somebody else like gets you, sees you, and adds to your life. So, so we started to do things like that. And that really did change the energy of it as well. Part of what I like about that story is I think it, it, it would shock a lot of people. Right. And it's, it's sort of subversive and it's also quite logical in a way. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, um, I think it's a good example of of risk taking in relationship, taking risks and trying things and seeing things as an experiment instead of a fixed thing. And I think it's, it's worth, you know, it's worth naming that that dynamic might not work the other way around. There's such a history of exploitation of women by men involving money and all of that stuff. Who knows that might not work in the other, you know, in the other direction, but for you two, it worked really well. And it sounds like everybody was pretty excited about it and it kind mm -hmm. of, sh it shook things up. It, it, you know, whether or not it's that, it, you know, that idea of, of trying bringing money into the sexual relationship or something else. I think there's an element of fearlessness right, that goes along with that of like, why don't we try this? Like what the hell? And then sometimes it's going to work out and sometimes it's not, but that's another example of that allowance of allowing, allowing us to experiment as a couple and see, try, try different things, really different things that might be taboo and might make other people uncomfortable. But if it works for you, it works for you. And it sounds like it, it opened up the space in a different way for you two, and it allowed you to connect in a different way. And it just sounds like a pretty fucking successful relationship. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, well, Melanie, there's um because we both do these classes called Relationship Done Different, and we've told that story, you know, a few times. And when people have gone out and done it, you should see them. It's hysterical. They come back into class with these big grins on their face and just go, "Oh my god, that was amazing." It's like, because what what if you just added this different energy to it? So I would say if it's something that when you hear this and you have this really huge resistance to it, it's like, ask, what's the judgment that's limiting me here? And if I change that judgment, then what else is possible? Because to me, it's like, there's so much more that's possible for you, your body, your relationships that I like to call creationships and on this planet. And it's like, what if we started exploring that and stopped living by the rules and regulations that have been put upon us literally by history as well. I mean, if you look at the history of relationships, it's like the reason why you got married was to create wealth. Like that's how it started, you know, and it's like, and and then religion's taken over and all of that. And it's like, what if now is the time for us to choose something entirely different with relationships that is so honoring of ourselves and what we can be in the world? Yeah, I really like that. And I, I also, I just think there's something interesting about, um, the, the paying for sex thing where it's almost like a safe way of exploring sex work. And I think there's a lot of shame and stigma around sex work, but there's also, you know, in sexual archetypes, the prostitute or, you know, allowing yourself to fully go into that role is actually, can actually be exciting on both sides. I'm not just talking about, I think when I say the word prostitute, I immediately think of women, a woman prostitute, but there's plenty of male sex workers as well, but it feels a safe way of almost like role play. It's, it feels like a safe way of getting into that, you know, different kind of dynamic, different kind of energy that might not feel safe with, you know, if, if couples aren't ready to try a play party or whatever, it's a safe way of doing it that can be kind of titillating, right? It's sort of a different, I don't know, it just feels different. It's like, ooh, that's that's new. That's different. Totally, totally. If you're paying for it, it's like, you, you know. Like, well, here's, here's another thing. The amount of women I've spoken to who are not willing to ask for what they want in bed and they want the man to know what they want but they won't ask for it. And I'm like, guys, you've got to ask. And it's like, you know, and, and same goes the other way too. It's like, you know, check in with your partner and go, hey, do you like this? Would you like this slower, faster, whatever? It's like, you know, or do you want me to touch you somewhere else? Or it's like, how do you want to play this? Slow, fast, you know? And if you talk to each other, then your sex life is going to increase too. So what if this is also a way of going, okay, so I'm paying. Can you go down on me? Like for, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. It's like, and make it all about that. So it's like, it, it, what if this is a way that you can break that paradigm of not being able to ask for what it is that you want in bed? I mean, our bodies are amazing and they bodies like to be touched. So what if you asked for how your body would like to be touched as well? Ooh, I like that as part of the experiment because I do mm. think it would, it would feel different possibly for women if they, if they knew they were paying for it, <laughs> maybe it would yeah. have them feel safer to express and it could, yeah, it could really just break a lot of things wide open for that couple. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So another one I saw here on the list in terms of ways we try to control our partner is trying to make your partner do something. And, uh, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this one that came to me is I have clients sometimes who are pretty introverted and their partners will try to get them to like, come to my party, come to my office party or come to my friend's party. Or I want to go to this thing. Will you come with me? You know, I want to go see this show. And 
the truth is a lot of times introverts will pair with extroverts <laughs> and then fight about it. And um, that's one thing that I've just noticed is there's a, there's an attempt of, I want you to come to this event with me or, or come do this thing with me. I'm trying to get you to do this thing. And maybe the person will go, but they won't have a good time or they'll feel slightly resentful. And would you count that as a trying to control your partner? And what would you recommend? Yeah, I would take that as a trying to control your partner. And again, it's not personal. If that person doesn't want to do the same thing as you want to do, it's not personal. Like, you know, and um, I mean, I'm a big believer in, you know, just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that that's the only man in your life. It's like you can have other men in your life. Like, you know, one of my best, I've always been that girl that has a lot of male friends. And, uh, and one of my best friends is, you know, a gay guy who's married and he's my shopping partner. Like we still now, like he sent me a text yesterday, found these shoes online and (laughs) there's this big joke between us because we're really willing to tell each other if it's a yes or no, but I go, but it's never about price. So his husband gets really nervous when he goes shopping with me because I'm like, it's a yes from me, like go for it. And, uh, So, but like when we traveled a lot, like that would be Brendan's worst nightmare. If I said, Hey, can we go shopping? It's like shopping for him. Yes. But shopping for me, no. Whereas my friend, Chris, you know, we, we used to go to Rome like three times a year for work. And so we'd have our thing like at 10 AM in the morning, we'd go out shopping and we'd go out shopping and then we'd stop for champagne and lunch. And it was great. We'd have this great day together. And it's like, Brendan could do whatever the hell he wanted and go wherever he wanted but it's like, but I was hanging with Chris and it's like, Chris, this friend of mine adds something to my life that Brendan doesn't give me. And it's like, there's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of men that I would have in my life that are really good friends of mine. But it's like, you know, from Brendan, it's like, you know, obviously I had sex and it's like, was living with him. And it's like, there was a, a, a creative wealth creation that we had together, but there was other men that I would hang out with because they gave me something else that Brendan wasn't able to, but it wasn't because he was wrong. It was just like, I'm not going to search for everything in one person. So start, and it's not about going, I mean, if you want to, I mean, there's very few relationships that I hear of that say we have an open relationship that actually work. I get there's some out there, but that takes two people to be very, very um, okay with it and courageous and be very trusting of themselves that that's okay. I'm talking like, you know, get some friends. And it's like, who else could, could join you? Like there's a, my mother, uh, years and years and years ago, she was Scottish and she wanted to, she wanted to start Scottish dancing on, on Friday nights. Right. And this was with my father who my father is like, there's no way in the world. Like if you looked at him, she's been married to him for years that you would say, this is something that he would want to do. And he didn't want to do it, but he was also like, Oh, can't say no to her. Do you know what? He ended up having a stroke. And he had that stroke. And I believe to this day that he had a stroke so that he didn't have to comply to that. Because after that, my mother got so scared that she stopped asking him to do anything. But it's like, be willing to have a look at what your partner would like and not like. You know, like if my partner liked fishing, asking me to go out fishing would be my worst nightmare. It's like, I have no desire to fish, you know. So it's like allowing your partner to go do something that they choose to do and do it on their own or find somebody else. Um, one of the, the things too, which sort of fits in with the controlling your partner is sport. I see a lot of women try and control the sport that the men choose, whether that's them doing the sport or watching sport. And please, it's, it's something that, that again, I think 
works in, like weaves in with that man cave and that space. A lot of men like that. I mean, I, I don't know. I like going and doing stuff too. It's like I go to the gym, I do Pilates and all of that. But it's uh, one story is my ex, um, he loved surfing and we live across the road from the beach. And at one point, really early on the re- relationship, he sort of had this really hesitant thing about going surfing. And I said, what's, what's going on? And he went, are you getting cranky at me when I go surfing? And I went, why would I get cranky at you? And he, we sat down and we spoke about it, which I'm really grateful that we had that ability to ask each other questions like that. And his partner of 12 years previously used to get so annoyed at him when he went surfing because she didn't surf and she wasn't with him. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, Brendan, when you go surfing and you're out there in the ocean, he'd go for a few hours, he'd come back every molecule in his body was like vibrating and he'd be so happy and the joy. And it was like, why would I not want that for you? I mean, you walk in the house and I'm like, oh yes, let me ravish you, whatever. It's like you, again, that energy of go, you go do something, they go do something and you come together and you're like, Ooh, this is the person that I want to hang out with. This is really yummy. This is fun. It's like, so go let your partner do whatever it is that they want to do with their body, even if it doesn't include you. Yeah, I I think that's really significant what you said. I <laughs> I remember my dad and stepmom had a my dad's a big sailor. He likes to sailboat race and they had they had it worked out in their relationship where she would feel left out if she wasn't invited to go do activities like sailing with him, but she didn't actually want to go sailing. So every time he would go, he would invite her and she would say no but happily say no. And that was their little ritual so that she felt included, but she I also, loved that. yeah, she was like, Nope, I don't want to go, but thanks for asking. <laughs> that was how they worked it out, which I thought was really brilliant because there is that part. that's like, Oh no, you know, again, anxious attachment. If you feel abandoned by your partner, you will, you will often lash out at them or be annoyed with them or act out in some way because that young part of you feels, feels abandoned. And the question is, are you going to allow that part to act out or are you going to work out a way of holding yourself? And in their case, they kind of worked as a team to help her feel included, even though they both knew she wasn't going to go sailing. She was yeah. definitely not going to go sailing. <laughs> I she love that. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she wanted to be asked and she wanted to say no. And then he would happily go sailing and he could do his thing. And, and you know, and I think that's really um powerful what you said, because I think there are many, many men who've been in relationships where they were subtly punished or obviously punished for taking care of themselves, for going and doing the things that they love to do, whether that's playing sports, watching sports or some other activity. And, you know, he was sort of tiptoeing around it, or he was concerned that you would be angry with him or that you would punish him emotionally for doing it. And, you know, I think a lot of men have had that experience. So I do think that, again, back to that thing of, it's such an, it can be such an act of generosity on the part of, of a woman to say, Hey, are you, are you needing space when a man is irritable or acting out in some way? Because chances are, he doesn't necessarily feel safe asking for it. He's, he's might be worried that if he asks for space or needs to take space, that you'll be angry with him and you might punish him in some way. So he's trying to not take the space, which just makes him annoyed. Right. And anyway, I think there are many men have had that experience of being punished for doing what they need to do to take care of themselves. So they've learned to try to work around that and kind of like make it, you know, 
yeah, basically try to suppress parts of themselves to yeah. make it safe, quote unquote, safe or whatever other word you want to use for their partner. But actually that kind of kills a lot of the the polarity, it kills some of the vibe, the sexy vibe between two people, because we need those places where we are separate from our partner to keep the erotic energy moving. If we're constantly together, it kills the erotic energy. Yeah. And can I just add to, it works the other way around. Like, I don't want to have this just be a one-way street too, because um, if I look at, I mean, I'm a very, I'm very independent woman. It's like, I've never really needed anyone in my life. Like I haven't needed a relationship. I've chosen a relationship. And I think that's a really big difference as well. I can, I'm definitely great at entertaining myself, you know, making my own money. It's like, I don't, you know, the big joke is between my male friends is I always go, I need a man. Cause I've got these two gay guys who live across the road from me. Like the other night I had a blackout, all electricity went out and I went, I text them, I went, I need a man. And they like came over and I was like, we were mucking around. Cause I went, what if there's an ax murderer outside? So they came and, you know, checked the electrical box, but I'm very, very willing to receive from men and I'm willing to receive from, from all my male friends. I don't have to prove anything to them, but I'm, or anything about me, but I'm willing to receive from it. But recently, cause I am single at the moment and, you know, but have been playing on different, you know, different people, etc. And there was this one guy who I said to him recently, I went, Hey, I don't think I am what you need because he was being really controlling with my time. And I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm super busy. And it's like, I can see you here and there, but he was getting really cranky at me when I wasn't able to see him when he wanted to see me. And I was like, so I said, Hey, look, I don't think I'm the person that you're looking for because I can't give you that time. What I do, my work and everything I do is really important to me. And that's, that's a priority for me. So please also know that it works both sides and, and women, if that's occurring for you too, be like, be okay with saying, Hey, this is my life. This is what I'm choosing. It's like, it's, I'm not going to give up me for you. Don't ever give up you for somebody else. If it doesn't work and it's like, then, you know, keep moving on. I mean, I hate to say that saying, but there's plenty of fish in the sea, but there is. <laughs> I was just talking to my friends about it. There's also a lot of trash in the sea. So there's a That's lot. True. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, but it's true. I think, you know, the deeper, reflection is that many people were raised in homes with codependent parents. So their model of relationship is not necessarily the healthiest model. And that's, I think, um, the point of personal growth is to unwind some of those patterns and then consciously choose how you want your relationship to be instead of just unconsciously recreating the patterns of your parents. And that's, you know, I mean, the vast majority of the clients I work with didn't have healthy relationship modeled at home. So they must be pioneers. They've got to unwind some things that they learned and learn how to do healthy relationship well, some of which includes, you know, this conversation of let's talk about space before one of us is cranky. Like let's have a proactive conversation about how we can support each other in taking taking space, taking healthy space yeah. and nourishing ourselves in the process because even just that awareness is key. And, and, and kind of lays the groundwork, makes it safe to talk about taking space without having it feel threatening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as we wrap up here, I'm wondering where people can find you and where people can find your book. Well, you can go to relationshipareyoushoreyouwantone.com. 
and that has the book there and it has some pretty funny vlogs that myself and Brendan have done too about relationship, like with this no sugar coating. Uh, and also you can Google my name, Simone Millises. Uh, so far, I think there's only one Simone Millises in the world, M-I-L-A-S-A-S. And also on accessconsciousness.com. I've got a website, simonemillises.com. That's my Instagram, all of that and more. So makes it easy. <laughs> Perfect. And then if you had any advice to give listeners about that process of letting go of control, of allowance, you know, from what you've learned personally, what would you say is a way to practice allowance? Relax, just relax. And it's like, you've got this. It's like, stop trying to, stop trying to get it right. Uh, most people would rather be right than be free. And so if you have a look at that and be brutally honest with yourself and go, am I trying to be right here? Am I trying to get this right? Am I trying to get relationship right? And it's like, then have a look at that and go, if I wasn't trying to be right, what other choice is available? What if I could be free? Like relax. Mm, I like that. I like that, that word free too. Cause there's something, mm. there's yeah. something so appealing about that. I think for, for everyone to feel free. Yep. Certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Jason. You've probably heard me on at least a few episodes by now. And we coach together in part because we know that it's when the masculine and the feminine come together that we are the most powerful. So we wanted to let you know about a free training that we put together for you guys. It's about how to take back control of your love life. We are absolutely inspired to help guys like you take all of the amazing ideas that Mel has introduced to you on this podcast and actually put them into practice, bring them into your life to create lasting change. So if you're interested in that, just go to evolutionary.men slash training to sign up. If you've been looking for a way to go a little bit deeper than just this podcast, this is the opportunity for you. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training, and you're going to get a much deeper dive with Mel and I.